You're listening to the Design Your Dreams podcast with Amy Lee, the show that challenges you to stop chasing your dreams and start designing them. As the dream design coach, I've helped thousands of high achieving creatives reconnect with their inner blueprint to design, manifest, and live the life of their dreams. Each week, I invite powerhouse creators who have built their dream businesses to come and share their words of wisdom and stories of courage. It is my hope that through the journeys of these incredible dream builders, you too will be inspired to design and build a life and business beyond your wildest dreams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wednesday Wisdom. I am so excited for my guest today. I already brought him on the screen, right? Normally, I like stick them in the in the back, but today I was like, nope. His energy is my energy. So with that, I want you guys to welcome the incredible Scott Mason. He is one of the coolest people I've ever met. I love his energy. I love his vibe. I don't even really even know what it is that he does. It doesn't matter, right? Like you just hear him talk and he's just incredible. So ladies and gentlemen, Scott Mason. Thank you. It is so good to be here. And it is good to know that my fan club, my fanboy thing about you is reciprocated because I feel exactly the same thing. You could just be existing in the world and I'd be spinning around like a top out of happiness. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Tell us more about you and and what you actually do. (laughs) I just walk the earth. I I float around it. (laughs) So I am around you. (laughs) Totally. I only wish. (laughs) So I am a professional speaker. I focus in the area of resilience and connection to one's higher purpose with the idea that if we connect with our higher purpose, we can both build a better self and more importantly, build a better world. It doesn't just stop in our own little narcissistic realm, even though it is all about me. (laughs) It's about the larger world. I also run a podcast called Scott Mason's Purpose Highway, and, and that's who I am, and that's what I do. So this is his podcast. I'm getting so much better at at, at the banners. So there you go, you guys. Magic. Three weeks into, into StreamYard, and I'm pretty much a pro now. So. <laughs> awesome. so tell me, what makes a person go from, because I feel like there was something you used to do maybe before or something that you're not telling us. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. So the secret is about to be out. I was an attorney and gulp a government official. <laughs> yes. Government bureaucrat attorney in a blue suit. What'd you say? I said, gird thy loins for the story. <laughs> I can hear people in the audience screaming from all around. I would too. Laura says, hey. <laughs> hey, Laura, what's up? Yeah. So how does somebody go from being a, an, an attorney and a person who's very much into, you know, the, the facts to going into like the, the woo-woo side of spirituality and, and potentiality and all that? Like, where did that happen? It is unbelievable. And I would not have believed it myself 10 years ago. Sheila, how are you? You know, it's interesting I worked, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, as an attorney in the government sector for a long time, and I had a number of very interesting jobs. I will say that uh, if, if I were to die tomorrow, based on the government work that I did alone, I would have had an impact in this world. And so I would feel like I had lived a meaningful life. And for that, I will always be grateful. But it was not an ideal fit. Interestingly enough, the particular government milieu that I worked in was one that was very dog-eat-dog, brutalistic, cutthroat, and merciless. I liken it to being on an episode of Big Brother or a season of Big Brother that never, ever, ever ended. You were always subject to being voted out in a way that was humiliating at any moment. And you, if you were not voted out, could always be counted on to have some humiliation or put down or or negative negativity surrounding you wherever you went. And as an attorney, by the way, it was all the worse because particularly, eventually I moved into executive and management positions. But when I was doing things like litigation, what it's all about 
is ripping someone else apart. Whether it's a witness or the plaintiff or whomever, it's not about constructively building. One thing that I was, that I did not have coming right out of law school and into that sector and into that life for a while was maturity and exposure in a way that put me in a position where I was able to see and conceptualize myself and my mindset beyond that milieu that I was in. Yikes, that's what I should have been saying. Instead, I was adapting in a way that was oriented towards ensuring my survival and my domination over the circumstances that I was in at all costs. I would never have dreamed that I would be involved in anything spiritual because I was the most hard-nosed, militant, anti-spiritualist there was. I did not believe I had a soul. It was unimaginable to me. And I certainly didn't believe anyone else did. And so it took me walking that road, living that life, accepting the mindset of the world that I was in and adopting it as in my own and then taking it to another level for the, um, for the, the mindset that I had created to ultimately destroy me, then I had to rebuild. And when I rebuilt is when I began to slowly, gradually shed the darkness that I had gathered around myself and move towards the light. Wow. That's powerful. It's true. So did you have like one like defining moment or like one like like straw that drove broke the camel's back kind of a thing that made you realize this or was it like a like a comp, comp, what I don't know why I can't talk all of a sudden or was it a compilation of events that led you to that realization? I would say it was a compilation of events but it was there was one definitive moment that really sealed the deal for me. You know, I left government service after nearly 20 years without a, another job. Um, I, I left for a number of reasons, and it was during the tail end of the Great Recession. Unemployment was unusually high. So I, I, I had a lot of difficulties, you know, more than a year to get my next job, which was in the nonprofit sector. And it was an amazing job. It was absolutely 100% worth the wait. But during that time, when I was sending out endless resumes and, and the newspapers were full of stories about middle-aged men like me who were had been in executive positions, being unemployed for extended periods of time, possibly becoming permanently unemployed, I had to then begin to think about what can I do differently? What has been dysfunctional? What has been a maladaptation to the circumstances I've been in? And when I began to open my mind to the thought that I might need to change, of course, the universe began to send resources, although I didn't see it that way at first. <laughs> Eventually, I worked in that nonprofit job for a while. Then I co-owned a, a small manufacturing company that grew in scale significantly during my time with the business partner I had. We ultimately had an amicable separation and I didn't know what I was going to do next. But I had had a, a lot of skills and experiences that I had developed and could apply to a number of different situations. And so my business partner and I agreed he should keep the business. I should go on the next adventure. I'll never forget it, Amy Lee. I live near Central Park in New York City. I got on a bike one night. It was dark. It was raining. And I was wearing glasses. Now, why I was riding a bike in the dark, in Central Park, in the rain, with glasses that were getting foggy, I was going somewhere. I don't know why I felt I had to do that particular mode of transportation. It was a bit ridiculous, if I might say so myself. But as I was pedaling along, I was thinking, okay, I've had all of these skills and experiences from these prior lives. How can I use them to get me where I want to go next? But as I was bicycling, there was something transcendental about that process, that night, the cool air, the darkness, the motion. And in that moment, somewhere inside, I realized I was conceiving everything wrong. It wasn't about how I could get where I wanted to be. That was my ego speaking. It was about 
or it needed to be about how I could be of service to this world. And in the dark, in the rain, with foggy glasses, I started to cry. Now, I'm going to deny that if you ask me about it later. I'll just pretend it didn't happen. But I'm telling you now, I started to cry. And I cried and I cried and I cried uncontrollably. Fortunately, I didn't hit a tree and die. Because otherwise, you'd be talking to a ghost, and that would take this the spiritual component of this show into an entirely different direction. Or I'm are sure. we? <laughs> Maybe I am. Wouldn't that be awesome? Or even a zombie? Maybe but in any event, <laughs> maybe this is a construct. Am I even here? Uh, yeah. Look, I am just a silicone piece of someone's imagination. I'm just an avatar. Nothing more. There you go. But in any event, you know, when that happened, things began to change in my life. Yeah. And I began to truly open to receive. My gratitudes, my thinking, my ways of interacting with everyone changed. And that is what's led me into this life that I'm living now. That's why I tell people, I feel like I am gushing down some providential river. And it's phenomenal. I've never felt this way in my life. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting that you say that because, you know, we're all there. I mean, not all of us, but the ones that are, that's where we are. We're right at that precipice. Like anybody who feels this way and can't say that, you know, we're clearly, we're evolving. We're evolving as a consciousness. We're evolving as spirit. We're moving back. The pendulum is swinging back from service to self where we've been for so long. Oh, thank you, Dave. Over to my husband just brought me coffee. All the way over to service to um, others, right? And and we're seeing that pendulum shift, and we're we're noticing that collective consciousness is elevating, and we're realizing too. Because I want to point this out: <clears throat> we've lived in a society for probably hundreds of years where we have been conditioned to believe that we're meant to suffer with the occasional enjoyment, right? Like mm. life is a journey of suffering for a cause. And every once in a while, you get these glimmers of hope to keep you trudging down this path of hell. But what we're learning and what's coming into us subconsciously is that it's the other way around. We're meant to live in pure bliss because when we live in pure bliss, our vibration is high. And when our vibration is high, that's when we do our greatest good. That's when we are showing up at our 100% And we're giving and we're healing and we're creating connections again. And so when you come out and say this, I love this because it's true. Like we heal by healing, right? Like we heal in the sense of we create healing. So we heal others by healing ourselves. Absolutely. And so when you're realizing that you have, this is the train that comes behind my house. I love it. I love it. (laughs) It's totally keeping it real. It's keeping it real. And when we first started, the tornado siren went off. They they test that every Wednesday at at noontime. So hashtag bucolic life. I'm just glad you didn't pull a Dorothy on us. I know, right? Well, I do. You know, it's funny you say that. I I will show you because I felt some reason I had to wear these today, and I don't know why. (laughs) But now I know. Look. All you need to do is put them on, click your heels three times. You'll be here in New York City. You won't have to pay these airline fees. I love New York City. I love New York City. (laughs) Hold on. We've got a bunch of, okay. Yes, Amy Lee. Hi, Jessica. Hello, Sheena. We've got quite a little, quite a little Scott fan club here today. Uh, I'm able to see you. Come on. (laughs) Oh, stop it. Are you kidding me? I was so excited. I told the team, I'm like, you guys. Tomorrow, this guy just you wait, he is amazing. So, anyway, so getting back to what you were saying, so so you decided to be a speaker. So yes. what what compels a person to to go and 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 feel like they want to um you know share this kind of stuff? And like what what made you say, you know what, it's not enough that I'm living this life, it's not enough that I've made this transformation, but I need to impart this to others. Like, what was going through your mind at that time? Again, the part of me that was a government official Mm -hmm. would have said, because I wanted to, Mm -hmm. and that's what I was going to do, and and I'm going to try and make it. The part of me today who's living 
like you said, and I, I, I do feel this genuine jolt of energy going through me every day. I don't know if it's coming through or not, and I definitely feel that energy from you. So I suspect that you can relate. Accepting that my role in serve was one of service put me in a position where I began to have to ask, well, service for what and what sort of service? I began to talk to those around me and began to examine what were the skills and experiences that I've had. You know, for so much of my life, I had a, a victim or an, an a, grie a grievance-based mentality. The universe is against me. It put this obstacle in my way. It made this boss mean. It made this job awful. Or it, may, you know, put me up for adoption in, in whatever situation or had this sort of life. And that's just poor me. Viewing it from the perspective of service enabled me to reframe this as things that I experienced and had survived for a purpose. Well, what was that purpose? And why did I have the unique gifts that I had? So I did something that a great coach recommended to me called an essence exercise. And that is I went around everyone I knew and I asked them, what are the skills? How do I present in the world? What are the most, the strongest things that you think of when you think of me? And there were certain things that came out and that I knew inside were who I am and how I present. Things like the ability to speak and articulate with passion and purpose, especially when motivated by what I'm doing. Energy, charisma, the ability to connect with people, to see them and feel their hearts inside. And so that was the skill. What is that wrapped around? What is the message that I was meant to, to give? There's a great business, what did you say? You're going to make me cry. Uh, and if that is the case, that that is what it's all about because you know to me i suspect those are tears of identification of relation of connection that's a beautiful thing there's a great business coach who told me scott you need to just start if you think that that's your gift then you need to just start being out there speaking the force will run through you and tell you what that's about so none of this has been anything that i decided it's been decided for me as I began to be out there and speak. What were the themes that were coming to me? What were the messages that when I would close off my rational mind and let my heart speak, what was the light that was gushing through me, directing the words? And that's how I came to it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is so powerful. And, and, you know, it's so interesting. And going back to kind of what I was saying before, we don't realize it, but service to others, if you start with service to others, it does circle back to service to self because we are a collective consciousness. We are all one. So when we serve others, right, we are actually trickling down and serving ourselves and we're consistently filling and emptying and filling and emptying that cup. When you do it the other way around, like you were doing at the beginning of your life, and I'm sure I was too. I remember growing up, I was like, I, didn't, I never want to have kids. I'm too selfish to have kids. Like, I want to just worry about myself. Now I've got five children under eight, you know? So, I mean, it's like, who even am I? But, but it just, it's so interesting because wow. it's true. Like you, when you speak, it it's okay. It does fuel you, right? Like you knowing that you're giving back does fill you up. And so it is service to self in that it's service mm. to others. And that is that paradigm that we have to shift that is what we have to get out to people is that you don't, you cannot, when you feel good, when you go get your nails done or your hair done, or when you get enough sleep or when you do something for yourself, you need to shut off that ego, you know, response that says, oh, look at you. It's all about you because we need to send the message that when you're taking care of yourself, like I have a mantra, you're welcome to borrow it. It is only when we're at our highest vibration, taking optimal care of ourselves, do we do our greatest good in the world? Mm. So we have got to disconnect that piece of us that says that if I love this, it automatically means that I am self-centered, that I'm selfish. What if we presuppose that the universe has a specific, or God or source or higher power, has a specific purpose for you that it says, hey, Here's the deal. When you're doing the thing I want you to do down there on earth, I'm going to make you feel good about it. That's going to be your indicator that you're on the right yeah. track. Yeah. And when you do something that's not in service of what you're supposed to do, you're going to feel crappy. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What if that's the way that it's meant to be? Yeah. And I believe that that's how it is. And you are demonstrating that profusely. So if, if I just took everybody to church, it's because this guy, I'm telling you, he's got that juxtaposition of the fun and the giggle. And you want to go like shopping with him all day. And you just want to listen, right? Like I am all over this. And you have taken me to church. And if I was more expressive, I've had, I'd have my hands up in the air screaming right now. I love it. I might have to. I might have to when the cameras are off. But I will say that there is a, there are a couple of things that I want to say to you about that. Number one, I would even argue a step beyond what you've just said. Do it. Do and it. say that there is an ethical component to it, to, to it all. Because when we're given particular gifts, and I would say even experiences that we've survived that haven't killed us or completely debilitated us, that we have been resilient through and emerged greater than because of. If we accept the premise that we did not bring these gifts upon ourselves, which we didn't because we were born with the characteristics that we have, and it's total narcissism to say that, oh, for instance, I have a particular vocal ability or vocal cord structure that I had no, this biological, right? I had nothing to do with that. And then number two, that it is, um, if we accept that these experiences, when we have them, again, we don't have complete control over the factual circumstances that we live in. So if we believe that those things that are out of our control have a any sort of providential or universal purpose behind them, if we were given them for a reason, for us to say, I turn those gifts and experiences and what they've made me become away just so that I can, I can feel worse or I can say to myself, I'm not gratifying my ego or meeting whatever needs I have. You're actually laughing at Providence. Providence is saying, here is a plate piled up with bars of gold. When we turn away these gifts, we're turning away a gift from a higher power itself. That's not just being rude. That's rejecting the very things, the very foundations upon which our purpose in this world were built. And I will argue that that's a profound ethical crime. So that's number one. Number two, it's interesting that you used language like light coming through us and feeling great. Day to day, the man who felt he had no soul, who didn't care about anything other than surviving, or like I said, making it, making sure I had stature, authority, position in this world. The psychological state that I was in, I always tell people, I didn't feel human. I felt like the following, if you can imagine a ceramic shell in the shape of a human face who looked like a human, who spoke like a human, who acted like a human, but inside was nothing but a burning inferno of rage and anger. That shell needed to be shattered. And I think that you're right. The ultimate outcome that living that way led me was an indication, the fact that I felt that way, was an indication that I was not moving in the right direction. I feel, when I talk to people about what my days are like, it's almost as though I feel, in my little overly imaginative mind, blue bolts of electricity passing like a current around us everywhere, but going right through me. And that's electrified. The fire has turned to electricity. The shell is gone, and on its, you know, in its place is luminescence. I love that, and I think that you're right. It's because it's what and where I need to be and be doing. I love that. And you know, when we talk about we talk about stars, right? And stars shine. And what is the essence of shining? It's it's that the ball of energy within is so bright that that luminescence has nowhere to go but out. And when you think about from a mm. perspective, and when we are truly at our highest vibration, 
our energy has nowhere else to go. It's big, it's bright, it's pushing, it's energetically attracting to us. Yes. Okay. And so we are essentially shining. So when we talk about shining, that's what that means. That's that solar plexus that's just care bear staring that positive, delicious energy out to the world. And it's such a better aligned or cohesive feeling than that constricted, contracted, you know, let me look for all the ways that I am being oppressed. Let me look for all the proof that I'm a victim right? Then then we're powerless. When we change that and we go, no, 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 none of this shit is going to get to me. None of this is going to affect who I am. I am responsible, able to respond to absolutely everything that happens to me. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, what happens? That energy shifts and now we are in the power. And now that shining is what is now creating our lives. And you have figured that out. And, and and I love hearing you tell that story is so mind-blowingly powerful, Scott. Amy Lee, I could just listen to you all day. I could listen I, to you I, all day. Okay. <laughs> I just, just talk for the rest of your life, okay? Just talk. See, see, oh, guys, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's too premature to tell you this, but I did invite Scott to come and co-host and moderate with me on Sunday night on Clubhouse. So if you guys have not already followed that room, um, we'll be posting about it in the group and so on. But um, definitely uh, Spiritual Entrepreneurs Network and vibe. He's gonna be on the he's gonna be on the mod panel. So you know, if you guys are Clubhouse people, definitely get over there. Um, I'm ecstatic. I know, I am too. I just gonna be so much fun. <laughs> Yes, Sheila's super. She's one of the panelists too. Um, Okay, so let's get to the question section. So I make sure we get this in. So if you guys have questions, feel free to post those in the comments. I want to go back over here to um, remind you guys that he has an awesome podcast called Purpose Highway. Tell us more about the podcast. Kind of what kind of guests do you have, or is it a solo one? Or like, tell us a little more about that. Yeah, so it is a solo in so far as I'm the solo host. And it is a uh, space for people to connect to their higher purpose, to um, to build a better self in a better world. And by space, I mean, and for people to connect, the discussions are with great thinkers, entrepreneurs who have been on some sort of journey in their life that has forced them to connect with their higher purpose so they can externalize and make the world a better place. And the podcast I view as that space. So if you're looking for inspirational stories from thought leaders in all sectors of society, um, who have done that and who can give you either advice or who have whose lives show that, then we are more than excited to have you join our community. Our guests are phenomenal. So we have entrepreneurs who have done some amazing things, you know, martial artists, um, fitness entrepreneurs, finance entrepreneurs, whose lives have been transformed in one way or another by this concept of service. We also have some major nonprofit leaders. For instance, we have coming up the CEO of the world's largest victim services nonprofit as a guest. We have had a woman as a guest who is the founder and CEO of a nonprofit who really focuses on fines and fees as instruments of racial and um, anti-poverty injustice across the entire country, as well as coaches. And, and what just, uh, yeah, I do. And you know what, one of the things that was eye opening about that was the extent to which it actually, these things, they seem like they are annoyances and irritations, but they actually can lead to deaths. They actually can be fatal. Let's, yes, absolutely. So let's go ahead and, cause this was going to come up anyway. I want, I want the people in the audience to be able to relate, you know? And so we had this conversation when we first met where he's like, everybody thinks I'm Jewish. And we were like, Oh, you know, that's so funny. But just for, you know, for, for relation purposes, for the folks out there in the audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and your ethnic background? Because I think this would be really powerful for them. It is definitely unusual. So I was born in England to a British woman and a, a, a black man who was in England studying to be an attorney. 
And she was in graduate school, apparently studying languages. And that was at that time, not an acceptable time to have a child. And it certainly was not an acceptable combination of parents. And so I was promptly put up for adoption. Two African-Americans who happened to be in the service in England adopted me. And then they later moved back to the United States where I was raised in an African-American family in rural Kansas, which was overwhelmingly white. And yes, those of you all who think it might be true, I'll confirm it. I am LGBT. And so <laughs> now you can gossip all you want, but that was, you know, one more sort of thing that was sort of adding to the milieu. So when I think about how many people did I know who were biracial <laughs> with two black parents in white rural Kansas who were gay on top of it all, I think I could count those people on one finger of one hand. And that was this little finger on this little hand right now. And, and you know, it was very very difficult. I had family members outright reject me because of the fact that I'm adopted, as well as the fact that I was quote unquote too white. At the same time, I had a, a debate coach who told me in front of the whole class uh, in reference to my racial background. Uh, you know, Scott, you can teach a monkey to talk, but you can't teach it to think. And so it gave me a very unique perspective on race relations. People who were white in that community would say things about African-Americans, unbelievably racist things, not knowing that I was black. And you know, that, <laughs> happened, that happened to my, one of my best girlfriends. Um, she's my business best, I call her. She's um, got blonde hair, blue eyes, kind of looks like Elle Woods. And she she's a lawyer too. I'll have to introduce you to her because you guys would be absolute besties. But anyway, she's probably watching. Hi, Gabby. But anyway, she was telling me that when she was in college, she would hear people say crappy things about Latinos all the time. She's 100% Cuban. She's literally speaks Spanish like she's Cuban. And she would be like, mm, yeah, no. And so it's so fascinating to me the things that people say when they think it's safe to say them. I mean, I've had people make comments about, you know, Jewing people out of things. And I'm like, hi, see this, see right here? Yeah, no, not, not the person to say that to. But it's amazing how much the tapestry of America has really melted into this delicious, you know, new person that we're all something. I mean, unless you literally are walking around like, hi, I'm off the boat, you know, from the Mayflower which is not, obviously, no one's still there. I mean, everybody's got a little bit of something. My husband even found out he did that 23andMe thing, and it turns out he found out that he is 10% Nigerian. His his grandmother is African-American instead of, he always thought she was Cherokee Indian. Sorry, Cherokee Native American, and she's not. And so he's gone his whole life not knowing that he's part Nigerian. And how cool is that? And obviously my kids love it because they're like, yeah, you know, like I want to go learn about this new part of me. But it's so interesting. People make these connections and they think that they can say these things. And you know what the saddest thing is, Scott? It's they don't even believe it, right? Like they've just been conditioned that it's part of regular speech. They don't really genuinely feel that way. But at least I don't think they do. Yeah. I think it's more of like a reflex of like, you know, kind of like when we're little and we we like someone, we kind of play. I remember the boy in seventh grade. There was a boy that had a crush on me. He's not my friend on on Facebook, but um, <laughs> he called me. I'm not kidding you. He called me a dirty Jew bag because he liked me. Uh, now, mind you, I ended up beating the shit out of him and getting suspended for that. <laughs> True story. Anybody who is wow. yeah, but to him that was his way of relating because yeah. he never, you know what I mean and so and I'm not making mm. excuses by any means but it's just interesting how much the different political parties will try to enhance that hate yeah. it's not really hate it's more of like a misunderstanding and or naivety I think it's interesting I am I lead a Toastmasters group and one of the things that those of you who have been involved in Toastmasters know, and for those of you who don't know what Toastmasters is, it is a public speaking group. And you, you at those meetings are assigned a, what's called an awe counter. And they 
sit there when you're talking and they listen to all the ums and the ahs and other crutch words that you use. My crutch words are, you know, you know, you know, I'm driving myself crazy saying that thing. And I'm really trying to get out of that habit. And one of the things that I've learned through that is that we all have these defaults or these crutches that we go to. And to your point, sometimes I do wonder if homophobic jokes, jokes about people's religions or their ethnicity or, or misogyny, right? All of these things that people just sort of off the cuff say, I don't know that I really do believe exactly. I do think that there are, of course, these people that hardcore believe these things, but I do think that humanity is on a spectrum. Our diversity is too great for it not to be. And defaults, crutches, um, rhetorical crutches or crutches when you're nervous or when you feel safe and you want to bond with somebody or these sorts of things, these things can be part of that. That's not to take away the pain that they cause when no, they are no, said. No, never, never, no, But never, no. It, it, it does go into an acknowledgement of the humanity that we have. When you're talking about political divisiveness, I think that it actually ties back into something that you said earlier about the changing in the awakenings we as a culture are having around spiritual consciousness. Because I do think that the events of the past year and a half, I will argue, have been a true inflection point where so many elements of our spiritual, our spiritual lives our political choices, our social and cultural choices, our rhetorical choices, a whole range of things have come together. We've had a year where those of us that have not been frontline workers or emergency workers, and they're in a whole other category that do deserve honor for, the, for as long as they're alive. But for those of us that have been in lockdown and have had to deal with the trauma of it or deal with the opportunity for reinvention that it brings or a whole host of things, it presents us as a culture in North America as a people with the opportunity to truly then begin to examine and think about some new ways of dealing with each other. The pandemic went after us all and it impacted us all. Yes, some demographic groups died from it or had higher incidents of it, but the entire country, the entire world was affected by it. We're not that distant from each other. Our humanity is shared. The virus didn't care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that we're understanding that we we're more connected than we even realize, you know, yeah. and, and what I have come to realize in the last couple of years, probably in the last year or so, is that the identity that you're born with, you fight your whole life to defend your identity and you only get to keep it for that one life. And so if you believe in reincarnation or reiteration, I could come back as a, a black man. I could come back as, you know, I don't know, an, an albino woman. I could come back as all these different things and these different identities. The identity that I cling to so deeply in this life is only a role that I'm playing for the time that I'm here. So what better thing than rather than just sitting there and proving that it's right and it's the only one, you know, this religion and so on and so forth. What if I just do my best in this role that I play to be the best version of that and not worry about whether it's right or wrong and not worry about whether it's superior, not worry about all those things, but just understand that it's like today, Amy Lee is going to be played by a blah, 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 blah. You know, like when you have an understudy, like in a play, I'm sure you're a Broadway person. I'm totally a Broadway person. So um, if you live in New York, you can't really not be a Broadway person. I'm a huge person. So, you know, when we understand that these things that we fight so hard to be like, this person hurt me or that, and not to say there's anything wrong with that, with, with having that, like nobody should feel uncomfortable to be, to be hurt. Like we're, we've all had pain and I'm not saying for anyone to, 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 you know, um, suppress their pain. But what I kind of am saying is that what we are, we're only that for a moment, you know? And so when we really pull it back and kind of chunk up, we're all just energy. We all are, no matter what color the outside of us is or how tall or how short or, or any of our orientation, we're all energy. Think about what's happening in this room now. You're amped up. I'm amped up. 
even with a digital, with a physical space and a digital space between us, we're amping each other up and up and up and up and up. And by the way, the folks in this audience, Jessica, Sheila, you know, Ashley, everyone else, Sheena, all of y'all are <laughs> amping us up even further. We're all interacting together. Mm -hmm. I am actually pretty stringent in my belief that tribalism, division, is one of the most dangerous things for our spiritual and planetary development, physical, scientific, a whole other host of developments that there might be, that there is. If we, you and I, looked at each other and you said, he's gay, he's different. I say, she's female, she's different. You say, he's not Jewish. I say, she's Jewish. We're different. You're a different race than I am. He's a different race than I am. Oh, he's a New Yorker. I'm not. All of these sorts of things, that energy wouldn't happen. How you're not a Yankees fan, Scott? I don't play in that. I don't play in that sandbox. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I don't play. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even care. I'm, so I'll say I'm not if that makes you happy. I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm from Boston, so that's all. But yeah, anyway, I think about that. That connection is, again, where the richest, most full expression of, of human, uh, so our, our nature as social organisms yeah. emerge. And we are social organisms. You know, one of the things that the inflection point of the events of the past year and a half have brought on is a real opportunity for us to examine the whole concept of individualism. Now, I do believe strongly as well that collectivism and connection should not squelch or suppress self-expression. In fact, if right. anything, I think self-expression should um, ideally put us in a position to be more cohesive as a group and more powerful as a community. That being said, the idea of self-expression taken out to us not needing or relying on other people for our uh, for us to say our actions don't impact others that what i care about is me 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 and me only those are things that i think that the i'm hoping that the discourse around the virus will cast in a totally different light well, from a 30,000 foot view or from a 300,000 foot view, the virus is a very different thing. The virus is a very different, for, you know, if you're an alien looking down or, or a, you know, an angelic being, it has a very different impact than we're seeing from the ground, mm. you know? And, and I mean, it's like, I mean, we might as well go there. Um, one of the things that I did in, you know, I study NLP and one of the things that I did was I went to, you know, we talked about fear and removing fear. And I went to the 30,000 foot view of the Shoah, of the Holocaust, and being able to see that from that high up and what it created as a, as a one inch entity gave me such a different perspective in terms of like what it meant versus being down there on mm -hmm. the ground, looking around and seeing, you know, the pain and the suffering. And so I, I do believe that everything that occurs is for good. It might not be in our lifetime, but eventually we're all kind of walking each other back home, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that because of that Pollyanna feel that I have, I think that's why I can tolerate. And maybe that's why I chose to come to earth at this time to be here for this journey, mm -hmm. because I do think that this needs to be talked about. And there are a lot of people that just aren't interested in having these conversations. You mentioned that 30,000 view, 30 or 300,000 foot view, and seeing it as a one inch thing in the larger you know, scope of the history of the planet, let alone the universe. I would like to tie that, if I may, back to the conversation that we had earlier about our gifts mm -hmm. and the universe giving us what it believes it needs for whatever purpose that it has and us either accepting those gifts and the experiences or not and the ethical implications of that. I actually think there is a uniform through line between that and that is understanding the appropriate role of the ego in our interface within the world. Because what I'm hearing that you just said is that <clears throat> is an acknowledgement of the limitations that we have as an ant walking on the ground 
in the middle of Central Park with the grass towering above us, as opposed to someone standing on the top of the skyscraper looking down, or heaven forbid from the space station looking at the whole planet, maybe not even being able to see Central Park, let alone the grass, let alone the ant that each of us is. And once we can accept that, I'm not saying that there's no room for ego at all. I do actually think that there is, and it sounds like you do too, but constraining it and understanding its limitations is a, an incredible force multiplier for our position in the world. And it also gives us perspective. Being able to have a 300,000 foot square view means that you are in a position, even if it's imperfect, because we're all imperfect, to see the big picture. The big picture seers are the visionaries. Mm -hmm. The visionaries are those that push the world forward. Understand the meaning of what you've said, because there's power there. Oh gosh, Scott, I just, ugh, you guys, you too can have a Scott for just priceless. He's just so I, I blame you for everything. I was just some boring automaton before oh, you just stop walked it. on. Stop it, stop it, stop <laughs> it. There he goes with that shell thing again, ladies and gentlemen. Don't believe it. It is a mirage. Okay, <laughs> Sheila has a question. She wants to know, do you channel? I do not channel, but I am not necessarily opposed to it. And I will also qualify that answer with saying, keeping my ego in check and all, that that's not something that I know a lot about. However, when you say words like channel, and I kind of know something a little bit that I think I might know about it, of course, my ears are picking up. <laughs> Let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to hear more about that because I definitely, I channel, I have, I have spiritual downloads. I bet you do too. You might not know that's what they are, mm -hmm. but Sheila will take care of you. She'll teach you all about it. Um, Jessica says, I love that. I've been wanting to find a new podcast to listen to. So let me grab that again. Here's the podcast, oh, you guys. Thank you so you much. Check it out. Make sure you leave him incredible reviews about what a fantastic human he is. Um, and then also, if you guys want to get in touch with him, you can go to this fabulous website that is so easy to remember. So definitely <laughs> check that out at Speaker Scott. Let's go see some more comments. Ashley says, those in power need to divide and conquer, so to speak, and it continued to trickle down for decades. Yes, I have a saying that when a politician sees the light at the end of the tunnel, he builds more tunnel. Mm. Truly believe that. Mm -hmm. And I think this year has shown us that more than anything. Oh, I, I really don't feel it. like I can point to anyone and say, they're part of the solution. And I mean that on both sides. And you don't even have to know what political party I ever affiliated with to know that I feel like everybody, everybody's to blame. You all suck. Sorry. Don't They've talk. all been playing in the same okay. sandbox. Mm -hmm. No one that I've been aware of that has nope. received any sort of mainstream traction has said, let's knock down the walls of this sandbox. No. You know, let's, let's as, as the wonderful Veronica Sofer that you and I both know says, let's build a circle outside of the box. I agree. I agree. She's, oh, she's so incredible. She's what incredible. A, what a powerful friend we have in her. Yeah. She's oh, yes. yes. I love that. I love mm -hmm. that. Oh my gosh, Scott, I could talk to you all day, every day. Like oh my God. You're amazing. Exactly. I, and I agree. No, that um oh, that sandbox is dirty with bird poop in it. <laughs> so yeah. Scott Mason, please meet Ashley. Actually, her name is Brooke. She is an actress in California. Oh, wow. She has a desire and it's going to happen because she's a client of mine and everybody that works with me has their magical things happen. But she has an, a desire to be um, an actress in a Lord of the Rings movie. She deeply wants to be an elf. Wow. And she's absolutely stunning. Follow her um, on, I think her name is Brooke Walter. Let's throw that up here. Oh, please. Um, hold on out. Brooke. On Instagram. Did I spell it right? Nope. Sure didn't. There we go. Add banner. Come on. That's her. So follow her. She's amazing. Oh, good. Brooke yeah. Walter. That actually yeah. sounds like the name of someone that should be famous. I told her. Well, some magic. A starlet. Yeah. Is. She's she's so fantastic. She does voiceovers. She like she has oh this really God. awesome Cockney accent. I would not want to piss her off. 
but she is one of my um, one of my newest clients, and I absolutely adore her. So follow her. You guys Thank can make recipes. You're welcome. And then Teresa says, "Good morning. It's 4 a.m. in Sydney, Australia. Talk about dedication! Wow, dedication to be on a live at 4 a.m. My goodness gracious! Awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. Okay, real quick recap podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. And if you want to get in, uh, in touch with him, if you're like, that guy is meant to be my coach, right? Like if you want to work with him, if you want to get him on your show, so many of my buddies out there have shows. In fact, I'm sure I'm going to get pings later that are going to be like, how do I get in touch with that guy? So definitely check him out um, on speakerscott.com. We got another comment. Hi, Brooke. I'll follow you. Oh, the Brooke Walter. Oops. Sorry. Hold oh, on. thank you. Appreciate that. I can't remember that. Hold on. We're fixing it and we're fixing it. Look at that. How many people can have the in their name, right? Don't don't mistake me with the other ones. I am the Brooke Walter. And by, and I love that, the. Absolutely. And I actually started calling myself the dream design coach instead of a dream design coach. And it feels a little egoy there for a minute, but I'm starting to use it. Awesome. Okay, we fixed it. Yay. All right. Any last minute where I almost said any last words. That doesn't sound good. Any last thoughts for my audience? Anything else you want to say before I let you go for the day? All I have to say is, is that it has been a pleasure being here. Remember, connect to your higher purpose, build a better self, build a better world. I love you so much, Scott. We are going to be besties forever. It's going fabulous. Uh, you're stuck with me now. You're going to be like, I, I, I wish I had never met that man. <laughs> never. I just can't let him go. <laughs> well, the thing is, now that this giant following of people on one, two, three, four, five different outlets are going to eat you alive. So I'm not even going to get like, look at this. Tanisha just said, the two of you bring amazing energy. It is dynamite. She's another one to follow. She's absolutely stunning. Powerhouse. Oh, she does the um, emotion code, which is another really powerful thing. Um, and then Sheena says, love this. I loved it too. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Scott, thank you so much for being here. It has been such a pleasure having you. We'll have to have you back again to talk about some more really important things. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you. What's Come back Scott's to the best. Instagram? What's Scott's Instagram? S dot Scott underscore Mason. S dot Scott underscore Mason. And please look me up because I want to follow you. Yeah. And, and I want to be obsessed with elves on Lord of the Rings. And he's going to be on um, Clubhouse with me on Sunday night. As soon as we get hooked up, we'll get him added as a moderator and I'll teach him how to do all that. So awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Scott. You are amazing. It has been a total too. pleasure. And with that, we are done for today. Tune in next week when we have another great guest here on Wednesday Wisdom. Until then, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be blessed, and may you be at peace. Namaste.